Hello, and welcome to Artists on Artists. It's the Glass Tire bi-weekly podcast in which we interview artists and art professionals about their work. I'm your host, Christopher Blay, artist and also news editor at glasstire.com. Our guest this week is artist Sierra L. Bryant. We spoke with Bryant over the holiday break about her work, grad school. Bryant is a recent graduate of the uh, MFA program at SMU in Dallas and the focus of her multimedia practice, which includes photography, film, and installation. Bryant was recently awarded the inaugural CAD Madre PLLC Artist Prize, which is open to Black artists living or working in Dallas County. Her work can be seen in her current exhibition, Sierra L. Bryant Server 3.0, at Dallas's RO2 Art Gallery. Bryant was also a Nasher Windows artist over the summer with her exhibition, Server, A Strained Revolution. Sierra, welcome to Artists on Artists. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Yeah, sorry to be waking you up out of bed to do an interview, but... It's okay. I actually was in bed doing emails and doing all the things and planning January out, so it's okay. <laughs> I yeah, I imagine your email is jumping off because you've been a busy woman over the past couple of months. I'm trying to answer people back and confirm dates and plan stuff out, so <laughs> it's not as busy. And I would say that right now, but like in the next two weeks, I'm I'm pretty sure after the holidays it will be back to slam dunking emails every day <laughs> i know that you have a show at the ro2 gallery um that is up right now and that's all the way through january the end of january and then the black voices show that i uh, juried at 500x as well and then uh, in the beginning of january i also have like this little project space at 500x as well um yeah there's a lot of things like all all over the place (laughs) (laughs) so you recently had work at nasher windows which is the initiative at the nasher sculpture center that happened during the middle of the 2020 lockdown where they invited artists to show work in their sort of vestibule area Tell me a little bit about that. Um, yeah, that was a great opportunity. That actually was one of the biggest opportunities I've had all 2020, really. I got an email from one of the curators, Lee, and she was like, hey, I've seen your work. Can we talk? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and I was like, Nash, this is this is big. Like, what is this? You know, Xavier and Tamara Johnson had already exhibited for that project so I knew some people that already did it so I was really kind of like okay well sure I'll do it when I got the email I was like okay I don't know what you guys really want and she was like we want server and I was like oh okay server is the full room installation that I create for um, certain spaces and the first time I did it was for um, a show that I did for my MFA thesis earlier in February and I documented it and it exists now via a virtual tour on my website but everybody saw either the images from that or they was able to go and visit it so when lee reached out she was just like okay i saw server 
And I'm really interested in what you could do in this little 16 by 16 foot space. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, And I had to make it temporary because it was only supposed to be up for a week. And um, there are very strict restrictions on what you can do on the walls and the floor. Right. uh, So um, especially in that opening space. Yeah. So um, I had a week to come up with something really good and <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a really great opportunity. A lot of people that um, didn't get to see server the first time got to see server stream revolution. And a lot of people that I never thought would be able to see it got to see it. So um, it was a good experience. It really pushed my practice as well as using um, some of the techniques in a different way. Um, I got to have really um, awesome conversations around it, especially with like Jeremy, who's the director of Nashville, and then um, a couple of curators from other museums. So um, it was really, it was, it was a good experience. It kind of like made everything I was doing in school feel validated. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of like pushed me forward into everything I'm doing now. Yes, I graduated during the pandemic um, <laughs> at home. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. anticlimactic uh, after all that hard work. Yeah. I was like, what? So, yeah, we I graduated during the pandemic with um, in the middle of writing. Well, we were supposed to have a show. We were supposed to have another show. And I had to finish my thesis paper. So... I graduated in my room um, and I did my final presentation, not in my room, but in my office, but um, I graduated at home and it was hard and I had to write and research and I couldn't do what I normally do in the studio or be in a studio or even like go get books or things I needed to research because everything was like shut down. So um, it didn't affect the writing as much as I thought it was, but it it t- it took longer because yeah. I didn't have you know um, my normal writing habits like being able to go out and write and versus like staying at home and writing and going to like have conversations with people about what I was writing or what I was trying to convey. Um, so it kind of hindered me a lot and. Um, I had to do everything in in my house. <laughs> it was hard, um, but yeah, I did it. I graduated. You did it. You a, did it. And you were uh, in that. Who are some of your professors in that program? What's the graduate program like at SMU right now? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah. a touchy subject. So, I feel like. It is. It is a touchy subject. But no, I had um, worked with Lauren Woods my first year. And then um, I got to work with uh, Eileen my first year and Jonathan Molina Garcia. All of them left <laughs> my first year. And then my second year, I got to spend a lot of time working with Melanie Clibbins and Nugent Smith. And um, Nugent and Melanie have been like saving grace for especially that last that last year um, being in a place where they just gave me the rings and was like, do whatever you want. If you need, like, make what you want to make, be satisfied and, you know, let's get you out of here feeling good and making good work. And Melanie and Nugent supported 
everything I wanted to do. And even when I decided to change my thesis at the last possible <laughs> second, they supported that. So yeah, I was just having that conversation with my previous guest, Betelahem McConnell, and she was talking about grad school and how this idea of just having that permission and that space to just be. It was a turning point. I mean, I did some really radical things beforehand to get to that point, but uh, we would have discussions and it was just like, you're not listening to us. You're not supporting us. Like, so I went off the rails a couple, a couple of times <laughs> to get them to like, be like, what's going on? And then um, finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to focus. Whoever's going to support me is going to support me. And they did and now we're here yeah um, and I, I talked to you know I talked to Lauren pretty frequently and I talked to Nugent also like regularly even to like just be like okay I read this book and I think about this but does it like relate to the practice or whatever and just having that open dialogue still is really beneficial to me yeah uh, it shows in the work I mean uh that installation, uh, that server installation feels like an, like an unauthorized, like unofficial black studies course, <laughs> like, a, yeah. like a visual mixtape, you know? It's like there's yeah. exploration of culture. I mean, you're carving out a black space in a white cube um, and it feels kind of like, you know, safe to be there. Yeah, that um, server happened because um, and I kind of say it in certain statements. I have a couple of statements floating, but um, it was me telling the white institution that like, if you're not going to do the research that I've already given you via links or um, like I had a, I had a Google drive folder that was full of my YouTube playlists and things that I was like referencing in my, my statements. I had the Pinterest, I had the Tumblr link, I had, you know, these PDFs of like articles and readings linked and like I was giving them, them the stuff and they still wouldn't do the research like they wouldn't even go look at it so it was more of a like okay I'm gonna put everything in a room <laughs> you're gonna have to look at it and you're gonna have to be with it and it's gonna be for me it's not as this is me informing you but it's literally for me it's me literally taking all my bibliography that I've had in my head or saving stuff for 20 years, um, I'm gonna put it in a room and like, it's gonna serve a purpose for me. It's like literally putting all my threads together in this big space. And um, yeah, it is a really quick study on um, black culture and um, how certain cultures are appropriated in specific ways. Mm -hmm. It's also a study of, like just understanding the value of um, media and how it, it infiltrates basically your brain. Um, and it makes you uh, think about certain things in specific ways over and over again. Um, my biggest thing, uh, I just told this to Jordan Roth when we were talking about my show. Um, I was talking about like how the TV being there is a really big thing because like when I was a kid, my mom gave me a TV. It was like this little 13 inch little TV and I like would stay on MTV. Like I never would change it. <laughs> I might go to like the Disney channel, but like from the second grade to, to now, like I literally 
consume music videos in a very specific way and like that tv and hearing the music come out of it or the music accompanying it is that was my life um and that informed a lot of the ways I was thinking back then or I love to bring up MTV and making the video and watching you know Nelly twerking videos on (laughs) and be like this this is the things that shaped you know how I was thinking and how I am working now yeah I totally see it in uh sort of the the mixtape that is the server exhibition I it's like just this over um like the barrage of images you're inundated you're immersed you're um but it's also like at any point that you spin the room and stop you're gonna make connections and see things that um really connect a thread through your work and uh yeah your work feels very autobiographical uh, and you use a lot of photography. So how, how, where are you coming from with the images and photography in general? Um, so my background is I started as a photographer. I will always be a photographer. There's something about holding a camera and capturing something that I will never stop doing. I um, did a lot of medium format film and um, large format photography for most of my career. I just got back to digital probably two years ago. So digital is still something that I'm trying to manipulate in this specific way. But I used to do all these like medium format print on glass or on fabric to just like make an object and make it be its own thing. Um, But I realized when I was like 18 that everything we encounter, we encounter as an image in some some way, um, whether it be like if we see an uh, image or a, a replication in a book, it's a, it's a photograph. Somebody had to take a photograph to get there. Or like when we buy products, it's a photograph. Like, so it just became this thing that like, no matter what, the taking of an image is important in some kind of way. And then I read a Bell Hooks essay about how Black images were something that was private, but it was public. It's private to us, but it's public in our household. Um, so sharing memories and having these walls of just like family portraits or things that happen or collecting portraits became this thing of like, we didn't have a place to put them in museums. So let's put them in our houses and have these private shows, these private showings. So that was really one of the things that just made me always like go back to taking an image and documenting a sliver of time. When it comes to how it works in my work now, I am always my subject because <laughs> it just started as convenience and then it just became no one's really gonna convey these facets of me in a specific way or facets of people I know in a specific way yeah. because I'm the one that was studying them or I was the one that knows that, you know, I, I do this in this manner. So self-portraiture became the thing for me for a while because it just, it was talking about my life. It was talking about some of my experiences, talking about how my body was existing in the space and how I don't have a normal art 
body that's you know photographed and put on a wall or painted and put it on the wall so I was talking about how it's existing in the world as well as those spaces and I, I can't you know get a model to do that for me really because they, right. they don't know that same experience but self-portraiture gives me a chance to be myself and not be myself in these images um but it's a really huge part of like tying all the threads together um especially when I'm talking about a narrative we're talking about specific spaces and locations so that's why I do that and then still lives and um, addressing objects that happen either while in the self-portrait or on its own it's very important because I'm trying to build this iconography dictionary of objects and things that are very important to Black culture or, you know, that can be identified in Black culture. It's like the fucking hashtag um, growing up Black or um, Black girl problems on Twitter. It's like, those are certain things that we all know if you're Black and you've experienced it in a specific way. So like, even like having, you know, a jar of blue magic in a hot tub, <laughs> a man can tell you what that, is. a black man can tell you what it is. Somebody's grandma can tell you what it is. Like, we just know what that smell is. We yep, know that the, smell of hot combs on the stove. <laughs> yeah, we all know that smell. We all know the smell of blue magic. We all know the, the smell of, you know, um, Crown Royal, like grease. We know that smell. We know the smell of, you know, bacon frying to make collard greens. Yeah. Uh, or we, we know we know what that is without knowing, like knowing why. We just know it um, collectively. So when I put that imagery in the work, it's, it's because of I'm trying to make some kind of connection. Either I'm making a connection that like, oh, you know that exactly. Or you're like, oh, I'd never got to experience this because of this is how my family addressed Blackness. Um, so it's it's one of those, it's either one of those at any time. Um, and everything I make, it's supposed to push that little button of like, where can this exist or why does it need to exist? I sense that kind of duality in your work. It goes between autobiographical and and in that way, it's very intimate, like some of the images that you've been describing. I can't tell <laughs> if it's more like Cindy Sherman or like Nan Golden, because it has those elements of really being intimately involved with your subject matter, whether it's yourself or the people that you photograph, or whether it's like these constructed narratives that point to other things in your life, but they're both personal. I, <laughs> I remember in undergrad, I like had a moment where I was like, I think I hate Cindy Sherman. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I kind of like her, but like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's a constant barrage of characters. It's like, I don't think, I don't think I'm doing the care. It's not a character for me. Everything that I'm addressing as a different facet of myself are these personas are like things that I've encountered physically or I have done physically or um, it, it's some kind of tie in my family or um, the people I grew up around. Like um, the, thigh, the, thigh tat, tat, the thigh tat portrait um, is very specific because it's like I took it 
at my neighbor's house. I remember when I was a kid, my mom had a tattoo. She had this little tiny one. And like my aunt had like a, a bigger tattoo. And uh, I was like, oh, I really want a thigh. Like I always wanted a thigh tat because I would see these girls at the park that had these elaborate tattoos. And I'll be like, oh my God, it's so good. Like I want one. <laughs> yeah. Finally got one when I was like 25 or whatever. And um, it's always been like this like, kind of cultural thing of like thinking about Mary J. Blige and her thigh tat and like how she would wear her shorts and her boots and like to show it was just like this weird thing right, right. so when I took the image it was like I was thinking about seeing it when I was a kid and understanding what that was and I was thinking about this print this shirt which has my name on it um, that I've had multiple short shirts made that look exactly like that one since I was a kid to now. And I'm, I'm being a facet of me. Like I'm being the person that literally would walk out the house in a big t-shirt and no shorts on and take out the trash. <laughs> like That is me. And then while I'm taking out the trash, I'm going to sit here and talk to my neighbor on their car. And that is literally a facet of me. It's nothing different. It's that happened I had all my jewelry because most of the time I do have on jewelry <laughs> so it wasn't a departure from me at all like yeah. I think not, none of the portraits have been something that was completely different at all like um the yeah. new portrait um that's in the RO2 show called Da Vinci meets Young Rapunzel that's the one thing that's like it's still me because yeah I've definitely had a four foot braid before and it's not different it's not new it's me it's me going to the club versus right. me you know being here on an interview it's not <laughs> it's it's not a departure it's all the same thing and I think that's where like the Cindy Sherman like kind of persona is like yeah I'm not trying to be something else or accomplish uh accomplish another version of this I'm just you know like this is me on a regular day or this is me when I'm like getting ready to go out and I want to <laughs> be the, the baddest bitch with a five foot braid and you know <laughs> lime green top I don't know like that it happens <laughs> yeah I I see that in, in the work and the duality for me is that, you know, you're completely comfortable and existing in that space of revealing who you are. And in that way, I feel like it's more like Nan Golden where she's photographing like her day-to-day -day warts and all, like everything here I am and here are the people that I'm hanging out with and here's my life. Yeah. Because what can yeah. do that better than photography, right? Yeah, Nan Golden, um, especially in undergrad, was a huge influence. Like me understanding daily things, daily rituals were important to document. I had a project where I documented, it was two projects. One was self-portrait project where I do documented just my feet, like in these different spaces of like what I had to do throughout the week and the things that would be around and like how the lighting would change or whatever would change. And it would just be like, this is date, this is mundane, but like I'm documenting it. 
And that was like one of the first times that I understood why it was so important to document what was happening in my life as a Black person, as a Black woman, as a Black queer woman, because it it wasn't being told in a lot of different ways. I didn't see it in a history book. Like Black photographers aren't being talked about, so let me do it. So um, that's kind of when that first happened. Um, That was but yeah, that was like community college. That was like <laughs> you went to Colin College, right? Yeah, I went to Colin. Shout out to Colin. They have the best dark room in the DFW area. Or, so I had uh, and I had Bird and I had um on a French So I had the trifecta. Yeah, I got to work with them. Um Elizabeth used to, you know, harp on me about certain things, but like she would harp on me and Bird would be like, oh my God, this is fantastic. So I was like, <laughs> no, I'm just going to do what I want. Bird is the the one person that Bird Williams put um, a medium format camera in my hands and he said, go. And I came back and he was, it was like, it was, a, it was the first time I took a photojournalism-esque class. And um, I came back with one roll of film and I developed it and he saw the proofs and he was like, this is what you need to be doing. <laughs> um, and that was a big deal coming from him back then. And like, even of now course. when I see him, he's like, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, thanks. But um, he he's the one that was like, what you're doing in your neighborhood and the things that you're taking pictures of and the people you're talking to, you need to keep doing it. So uh, that he's the one that got me to being very diligent about culture um, and the things that were happening. That's amazing. Congratulations on the inaugural CAD X Madre PLLC Artist Prize. You're the first person to win. And that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So like yesterday was like my first day actually like having downtime and actually be like, oh yeah, I did win this like big <laughs> prize. <laughs> like this is really important. And uh, like, I just, I loved what Vivian said about, you know, it is about community because yeah, I was that that's the sort of segue that I wanted to get to with uh congratulating yeah. on that prize because um uh what is the juror's name Vivian Crockett she wrote this prize recognizes not only your artistic accomplishments and evolving potential but also the immense contributions that you make to the broader artist communities so tell me about where your your practice intersects with with your community. I just really want art to be accessible to black communities um, and be something that they can enjoy, but also be a part of. And then when it comes to the artists that are working in these communities, I want them to have space to show work and have the same opportunities that some of our peers have, they just know, they just know they're not trying to find out about grants or find out about open calls. They just have a list of them versus some of us who don't even know certain things are happening because they're not being targeted towards us or they are not being put in the hands of people that can share the information. 
So I just always wanted to make an ecosystem happen that we can work with each other or we could um, support each other. Really, it's really about support um, and just give that space. I, I mean, the biggest thing that was beneficial to me, even in school, was like having two people in the program that looked like me and right. I was able to talk to them about certain things, especially like when it was in the middle of making and I was like, oh my God, I don't know if they're going to get it. And they're just like, doesn't matter. And just having somebody to talk to during those two years was life-changing versus like if I would have did it alone. So I knew then that like I had to create a space or try to start to create a space that fostered that um, and just understanding like there are things that are happening in Dallas that black artists will never know about because there wasn't a black person in the room to share the information to a black artist um so i i want to make that happen but i also want to build you know a community where it, it feels good to talk to you know the kids that are undergrad trying to figure out if they want to do this stuff versus like having them talk to like Jeremy Biggers, who is like working as an artist full time every day, right. and me, who's now working as an artist full time every day, like I want to have a space for them um, to connect and just understand that it's okay to feel these ways and it's okay to not know because we didn't know. And you need help writing a grant. Okay, I got two hours to help you write a grant. Like, let's make it happen. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to start providing that space and start supporting that um my my full my life goal <laughs> short for short version is to have my own textbook and build a curriculum around black artists and artists of color but you know and have that be something that could be at a university all the time and not just a special course um, but I want to do <laughs> we're that. done with special <laughs> courses we're ready for the actual the main course yeah, I want it to be on the course records. Like I want it to be there and it happens every semester, not just once every couple of years. Like I want that to happen, but I also want um, a place where black artists and artists of color in the area, Dallas, you know, can go and either have equitable spaces where they can afford studios or have a gallery that, you know, doesn't really charge them to use the space or give them a conference or people just need sometimes places to lay out stuff to talk right. to other people because they don't have a studio or maybe they just need you know uh, a 3d printer for one project and they can't afford to go you know pay a shop to go do something like I want to start building and cultivating that that space for them um it's gonna take me a lot of time and a lot of money See but that? I'm getting there that sounds like a grant that's I know like it does sound like, like a grant. I, I need another one. <laughs> I need another one. But um, that was starting the baby. This is the baby steps. The baby steps was me getting us together for vibrant thing and making sure that we have a group chat and we talk to each other and yeah. that we go to each other's shows, um, even if it's difficult to get there. Finding a way to support them. Um, understanding that our social media influence is extreme. And if I post Desiree, she's gonna get 
10 extra likes. If I post a, um, something that Julissa or Jeremy is working on, they're going to get 10 extra likes or 10 extra followers and understanding like those micro things are beneficial. Um, but, you know, to go from Black to vibrant thing, the Black voices and having a whole new group of people that, you know, some of us didn't even know um, yeah. was very exciting because that gave me more time and space to be like these are where they need help like I can do a visit this day or yeah if you have something that you're working on in school that you're like kind of questionable about like I can help you with that so um it's different facets of like where I'm helping people and where I can help people or where I want to help people but it's all around this like I want to build a safe space for you to just exist and make what you want to make and have the support you want to have <laughs> you couldn't have <laughs> yeah, said it that, better that five thousand dollars is very beneficial because like somebody told me so well two people told me they're like oh that's reparations like you did all this work all all year and you didn't get paid for a lot of it but you know that was that's that paycheck finally coming back to you and I was like yeah that is that paycheck like I did I did need I, I needed the money I still need yeah. the money. I need more money but um, that was the paycheck like that was you know the recognition and the people that you know now know my name as well as all these other artists name just because of the things I've been doing is it, that is the payoff and I, I needed that to happen and you know there are people that saw me win this grant this award this inaugural grant that um, especially since it is with the cat that probably have never seen my name before and I've been you know working for 10 years and now they know my name but they now know all the other things that I'm doing with all these other artists so now they also have this opportunity Um, and that's the biggest part of it is just like now we are indoors and in rooms that you know weren't for us but now we're there and thank God I got this grant because now it's easier for me to ask for more money from other people. Because <laughs> I'm about to start asking for more money from other people and we're just going to make it happen. There it is. Sierra L. Bryant, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I look forward to meeting you in person and checking out the next exhibition you are part of or that you curate. And I cannot wait to step into Bryant place where I can do some uh, 3D printing, get some advice. Yeah. Get some uh, advice, some therapy. <laughs> some you <know>? therapy, <laughs> the works. But yeah, I'm trying to try to figure out all the things that I needed and what did I get. But yes, I cannot I cannot wait for that to happen when it happens. But thank you for giving me this opportunity to reach some other people that might not have known who I was. Exactly. But uh, have seen my name in some places. And they're like, who is this person? Well, here she is. Thank you so much, Sierra. (laughs) And uh, let's stay in touch. And please send me the stuff that you're working on as it comes along. Thank you. I sure will. All right. Take care.